put away your air guitar. Today, we're going into soft territory. These are rare moments in the Queen catalog as far as ballads and really reflective, tender moments. And this is another Freddie moment. Sounds a little bit like a Brian moment, actually. And we'll talk about that some more as we get into this. This is dive number 26, track number five on Queen's Sheer Heart Attack 1974 album. And this is the softest, quietest, most reflective piece on the album. This is all Freddie Mercury gorgeousness here. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. There's quite a few people that have talked about this song and the absolutely stunning emotions it expresses. This is Lily of the Valley. The third of the trio of songs on Sheer Heart Attack that make up the medley Tenement Funster into Flick of the Wrist. And finally, here we are with Lily of the Valley. It's interesting that we have this dynamic mix of songs as this three-part medley because it seems like they shouldn't go together, but they do. And this is the magic of Queen. And this song in particular is, uh, I could talk about it all day. It's really one of those moments in Freddie's catalog, which is quite expansive. He's such a prolific writer. He and Brian wrote the most for the band. But this song feels particularly special. It's right up there with other more well-known tracks. This is one of those that's much lesser known. But I think that people love to highlight this as a truly remarkable, magical, musical moment from Freddie. Recorded in July of 1974, this is a soft rock ballad. I don't even know if it's appropriate to use the word rock, actually. This is more classically inspired than anything else. And this goes right from the piano arrangement to the bass lines from John, the cymbal flourishes from Roger, the guitars from Brian that sound like an orchestral arrangement. This is incredibly impressive and is eye-opening to the extremely diverse styles that Freddie would write. This was actually a B-side on the Now I'm Here single, but supposedly, and I read mention of this multiple times, it was released as its own lead single with Keep Yourself Alive as the B-side. I looked everywhere for this, and I could not find any evidence to support that. I mean, I looked everywhere, and there was no collection of entire discographies or anywhere where I could find this being its own lead single. Maybe it was. Maybe it was in one country somewhere, but I couldn't find it. If it was, that would have been an extremely bold move. Seldom did the guys release singles that were really soft and not really rock and roll. This would have been a huge diversion from the norm for them. Now, yes, Keep Yourself Alive as the B-side? Wow, that's a deal. (laughs) That is an amazing deal. But I would be curious to know if this is actually true. If it is, please tell me and tell me where it was released and when because I couldn't find it. This is a very slow 79 beats per minute. But tempo here is a little bit irrelevant because it's all about the expression. Yes, it's slow. Yes, it's subdued. It's very reflective. 
And this is entirely expression. So I'm still going to go into the specifics of how this song is constructed. And that's really where the magic is, is how it was put together so brilliantly and effortlessly, as it would seem, by all four of the guys. We're in 4-4 time signature. Very simple. We're in the key of A minor and some C major and F major as well. And this is all longing and yearning, unrequited love for something undiscovered. For something the narrator, in this case, Freddie, cannot have, at least not without incredible sacrifice, he seeks the ultimate romantic companionship, knowing he'll never find it. And ultimately, he settles for temporary fulfillment. Uh, it, there's not even really a silver lining here. This all feels like a reaching for something that will never be and resigning yourself to the fact that you will always be settling for something less than that. And that emotion isn't just reflected in the lyrics here. It's in the music. It's in every line from every instrument. This is the beauty of Freddie's compositions. And I'm sure that John, Roger, and Brian all came in and suggested things, tried things, said, hey, Let's do this. Let's see how this works. But if you watch footage, which does exist from some of the later albums of Freddie and the guys working in the studio, you can clearly see Freddie has a vision. And yes, you can apply that term to a song, even though song is obviously something you hear. He has a vision. He has an idea. He has a mood. And he's very specific with what he wants. And I have no doubt that was the case with Lily of the Valley. This is that rare queen ballad showcasing restraint, romance, thoughtfulness, and sadness. Freddie shines on piano and all the vocals expressing a want and a need for something beyond his reach. It's classically inspired with hints of Baroque, a true classical style, and perhaps even some Renaissance, a little bit more formal affair. Freddie wows with seamless chord transitions, emotional crescendos, expressive, soft, and beautifully controlled vocals, and a flawless arrangement of beauty and poise. Rock and roll is almost entirely absent here. And even the bass lines employ oscillating notes, which is a technique seldom used in modern rock music. But Brian's guitar does appear, as does Roger's drum kit, in subtle and rich nuances, magical cymbal work, delicate rolls and impactful chords, lush transitions of sound, that echo of violins, violas, and cellos. This is all Brian's magical work on his guitar. But this is undoubtedly, again, thanks to Freddie's genius and innate talents for impressive songwriting. I love this song, and I love to talk about songs like this from Queen because they're really rare. And yeah, they usually only come from Freddie and Brian. This feels a lot like a Brian composition. This was never performed live, this striking ballad of romantic thoughts, sadness, and longing. And for once, I'm glad a live performance doesn't exist. What we have here on the record is gorgeous and likely untouchable in a live setting. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. Usually, I'm super bummed out when the guys don't do something live. We don't have any recording of it live. We never got to hear its translation on a stage. But it's like films. 
that are so brilliant the first time, you can't possibly imagine them ever being remade. I can think of some instances where this has been the case and should have been the case. I would say that about Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. I mean, yeah, Star Wars has had some extensive storytelling expansions, but the originals are the originals and they're amazing and they should be untouched. That is my opinion. There are instances in song where a remake or a cover is incredible compared to the original. There's a few instances of this. One, Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. That is Whitney Houston's song. Dolly herself said that is Whitney's song. She was incredibly proud to have Whitney sing it. She's always been adamant about that. And when you listen to Dolly's version, which is not nearly as expressive or bombastic or dramatic as Whitney's, because Whitney was so dynamic as a vocalist, Dolly's got this incredible charm, this genuine transparency, this honesty that is all hers that comes across, especially in live performances. And this is Dolly's thing. If you've ever watched Dolly sing on any live recordings, she's just Dolly. And that's what I love about her. She's so different from Whitney, of course, when it comes to I Will Always Love You. But there's something about it that's incredibly enrapturing and charming, and you just feel it coming right from her heart. That's what Dolly is extremely good at and always has been. And of course, Whitney took the song above and beyond with what she did. And Dolly's always acknowledged that. Another song like that is Always Something There to Remind Me, which was done by Naked Eyes, originally written by Burt Bacharach. But not a lot of people know that because Naked Eyes did this incredible version that topped charts and has those wonderful bells, but it has that throwback of arrangement and style thanks to Burt's writing. So there are instances where songs take on new life and become something altogether amazing when they're done later. But I think in a lot of instances, you get songs like this that are so classically captured. And I don't mean classically as in orchestral style, but just perfectly captured, I suppose in the moment that they're done and from the original writer, in this case, Freddie, you don't want to touch it. And yes, I could imagine this being performed live. I could imagine Freddie sitting and playing the piano alone, singing the lead vocals, and he probably would have done very well with it. He did this with another song I'll talk about later. It's another one of Freddie's brilliant ballads, probably my favorite ballad from him. He sang this song in its early stages, it wasn't even finished at the Hyde Park performance in 1976. He sat at the piano, he played it, and he sang it. And it was incredible to see it. He was, he was fantastic. The rawness of the vocals, the expression was all there. He didn't need any of the other guys there to make this work. And he could have done the same thing with Lily of the Valley. But it wasn't ever performed live. And part of me is happy that we have this little capture of it on the album that's so perfectly done. But oh, how I wish we could have heard this expression on a stage. What could have been, right? I'm very torn on this song. I love its beauty. I love its tenderness. Freddie amazes me with his expansive expressions. He can be so over the top and flamboyant and aggressive. And then here it's all restrained and so much falsetto and softness. It's very, very, very good. It's fantastic. A little bit about this song that 
is interesting to know from a band member's perspective is that Brian May has called this one of his favorite Freddie penned tracks. And I have to wonder if it's partially because it does echo Brian's style a little bit. Maybe he felt he could recognize the emotion in this more or identify with this more. These are just my thoughts and where my brain goes, but I just wonder about that. I would love to ask Brian that question. Aside from it being a wonderful composition, what is it about Lily of the Valley that you love so much? Brian said in a 1999 interview that Lily of the Valley was utterly heartfelt. It's about looking at his girlfriend, Freddie's girlfriend, and realizing that his body needed to be somewhere else. It's a great piece of art. And just veiled with that sadness, not even veiled, this song encompasses it. The lyrics here are poetic and echo writings that are much older than when this song was written. Freddie loved art, he loved poetry, and this comes out in bright colors here. The lyrics directly reference the song Seven Seas of Rye from Queen 2 with the line, messenger from seven seas has flown to tell the king of rye he's lost his throne. The song was possibly inspired by the 1835 novel Lily of the Valley by Honoré de Balzac and Rami Malek, who famously and fabulously played Freddie in Bohemian Rhapsody, named this his favorite queen song, or at least one of his favorites. That's a particularly notable thing, I think, because Rami was obviously very close to everything queen because of his role, but the fact that he identified this song as a very, very top favorite is just interesting to me, and I think it speaks to Rami's character and his appreciation for Freddie's depth of personality and emotion. This is so classically inspired, expressively structured, thoughtful, sad, lonely, and yes, it's dark. It's that rare ballad that takes on impressive form with lyrics that dig deeper, and perhaps even references William Shakespeare's play, Richard III, with My Kingdom for a Horse, that whole section. It's the proverbial account of the words of King Richard III of England during what is known as the Battle of Bosworth Field. Freddie's vocals are dynamic, fluid, engaging, and often soft as he perfectly expresses sadness and searching in delicate falsetto, these rich harmonies, louder professions of longing, and seamless shifts to angst and fear. Those shifts in the melody, the crescendos, the gentle swaying of the notes, triplet arrangements that create an urgency and an impending downfall. Freddie's lyrics are poetry with lines like, I lie in wait with open eyes, I carry on through stormy skies. Such a tenderness, a softness, and a rare display of emotion. This is Freddie's piece, undoubtedly. And not just because he's the composer with lead and harmony vocals. He owns this emotionally. But the guys all shine beautifully here. This is a fantastic showcase of Queen's versatility, that they could play virtually anything with ease and poise. John's delicacy on bass supports Freddie's magnificent piano playing, along with Roger's subtle flourishes and those cymbals. He has a way with symbols, and I think this is because he loves them so much. He always has. A lot of people think you can overdo it with symbols, but Roger knows how to delicately layer them in to create these 
shifts in emotion and sound that take you on this journey. And Brian shines particularly bright with that guitar playing that perfectly exemplifies why Queen were so adamant that no synthesizers were ever used in these early albums. His glorious sound effects with rich chords as though an entire orchestra were playing are inspired, genius, and entirely effective. What we have here is a marvelous example of tenderness, vulnerability, uncertainty, and artistry from Freddie and Queen. Lily of the Valley takes everything these guys could do and applies it with the perfect precision of talent and technique. I love this number because it's such a different sound from the guys. It's a stark contrast to the tracks that come before and after it on this album. This is one of those Freddie moments that feels like something else altogether. So go have a listen to Lily of the Valley. You will love it. You'll be surprised. You'll be wowed. And you'll wonder why you haven't listened to the whole of Sheer Heart Attack or the whole of Queen's catalog. I think new fans will be particularly blown away. I think this is going to be a song that really impresses and makes you realize that, yes, these guys were a lot more than just four guys who knew how to rock hard in a song. They understood expression in a song. And that's what makes me love them so much. So Lily of the Valley, I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you have an eye-opening and perhaps a heart-opening experience. Until next time, of course, you guys, keep yourselves alive.